0: Whether they be singers, actors, imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Are you looking to plan and book an upcoming Disney vacation? Contact the Tierra Talk Show's official travel agent, James from Destinations in Florida, by visiting destinationsinflorida.com backslash TR. For a free quote The link is also included in the show notes on our website All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone And do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company Thank you for tuning into this week's episode And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show Have a hoop-de-doo day This week at the Tiara Talk Show, we're welcoming back our cast member corner segment called cast member corner, of course, in which we speak to cast members of the Disney theme parks from around the world. I would like to welcome Richard Farron to the show. Welcome.
1: Why, thank you, Tammy. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, it's wonderful to have you here. Now, you were a Disneyland cast member. Now, this is is very special for our show because we haven't had a Disneyland cast member on as of yet. We've had some performers who've traveled around the world working at various Disney parks, but not just an exclusive Disneyland cast member. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started, and what type of jobs you had.
1: Yes. Uh, Well, actually, we have to go back even further in time. Uh, My original job was for Walt Disney Productions. I was a child actor at the studio and uh, was featured as an extra in a number of different movies. Um, some of them, I'm sure most people won't remember, but I was in uh, Walt Disney's one and only genuine original family band. Who
0: were you in that?
1: I I'm just a child act extra in the background in the school scene.
0: It's one of my favorites. You got to it's, you got to sing with Walter Brennan. That's amazing. That's right.
1: <laughs> in fact, my uh, my mom and Walter Brennan uh, during the filming sequence always went to lunch uh, together. Uh, there oh. on, on the property. and then I was also uh, a child extra in the background movie uh, which was filming parallel to that never a dull moment with Dick Van Dyke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then um, I was doing a lot of other commercial. and it was actually my experience there that uh, got me in the direction to come to Disneyland. Um, I found that uh, on the movie set I was making friends, with all of the technicians, the cameraman, sound people and whatnot, I found that their work was fascinating uh, rather than playing with the other kids or um, socializing with the other actors and whatnot. And I met uh, a specific cameraman who gave me some very wonderful advice because he could see my interest in the different technologies there. And he He was basically advising me, he goes, you know, actors come and go. It's a very small percentage that, you know, make it to full stardom. But I want you to look around. These technicians are on every single movie. These are the people behind the scenes that create the magic that supports what you see. We're, you know, a quiet breed that nobody will ever remember our names, but we are always involved in these projects on every one of them. And that got me thinking... Where uh, my interest, my background was mainly technical. So, anyway, time marches on. And uh, a turning point at, at the, about that uh, same particular time was an incident that really locked my career into place. And that was basically a fight that my parents had. Uh, We were sitting around the TV watching a wonderful world of color, and Walt Disney came on and was explaining this new technology that he was going to be expanding called audio animatronics. So I turned to my father, who was uh, one of the head designers of uh, McDonnell Douglas in Long Beach, uh, designing aircraft, and I asked him, you know, what is audio animatronics? And he told me, well, son, this is robotics used for entertainment. But you don't want to do that. You want to become an engineer because as an engineer, you could get a job anywhere in the world. Well, my mother stopped and he looked at my dad and goes, no, he doesn't. Now, my mother was an executive secretary for Long Beach Community Hospital, and her comment was, our son should go into the medical field because with a medical background, he guarantees can get a job anywhere in the world. And my parents began this fight about my future and career. And I remember very distinctly, I very quietly while they were fighting, got up, went to my room, pulled out a piece of paper, sat it down, and I wrote on the top of it, I want to design theme parks. And I wrote down a list of what I thought it would take to design a theme park. Well, again, I was very young at the time, and there is no theme park 101, but I personally had geared my education based on this piece of paper. Anyway, time marches on, and I auditioned uh, for Disney uh, as an entertainer at Disneyland while paralleling my education. Um, I've, as one course is going, my education was heavily based in design technologies, uh, computer science, laser physics, and stage arts. I also, at the same time, was an entertainer, a uh, musician, dancer, as I was uh, working at Disney. And as the two came together, I was starting to work and uh, get job offers at different places, including this little company called uh, Wed, located in Burbank, uh, Glendale, I take it back. And so as I was getting my feet wet as a theme park designer, I was also performing in different shows at Disneyland. Um at the one point, uh, because the company you can't work in two different divisions of the same company, and also because of my age, uh, I was extremely young and uh, I decided to continue specifically as an entertainer at Disney, uh, met another gentleman and I formed a company called RR Creative Amusement Designs. So I had two parallel careers going on at the same time one was a theme park designer, and the other one was an entertainer at Disneyland. Well, both took off. Uh, On one hand, I became King Lion of the original Main Street Electrical Parade, and I remained uh, King Lion... And was awarded eventually as uh, performing more parades than any other individual as a single character. So starting back uh, pre um, AOP American Parade or the Bicentennial, going all the way to almost the ending of the Main Street electrical parades run at Disneyland, I for either at the time would be six days a week, uh, then went five days a week uh was the original King Lion. And you could always tell if it was me because I had a gold whistle that I would use specifically when I was performing. And then during other um, scenarios like during the 25th anniversary, rose parades and whatnot, I also performed the real Calliope as King Lion. So anytime that particular character uh was utilized, it was probably me. Then at the same time I'm parallel designing um at Magic Mountain, uh, Six Flags Park out here on the West Coast. Uh my very first attraction that I worked on designed was their Roaring Rapids ride. I then continued to do design work for Six Flags uh as a uh, as a separate contract, probably every attraction up there through the Superman ride, uh then that um, which was a number of roller coasters and a number of water parks. Eventually, I designed or had some part in every single water park in Southern California. Uh, This then spread into other parks to where my theme park designing career, which still goes on today, uh, for more than 34 years now, I've been designing theme parks around the world, which includes uh, just about every major theme park in the continental United States, uh, parks in uh, Korea, China, uh, Europe, Canada, and Mexico, and I believe yeah, we did one in uh, Brazil. And this covers everything from uh, wax museums, dark rides, roller coasters. Um, it also came back full circle where I was doing specific design of special effects for the motion picture industry. Um, uh, some of the effects were utilized in Spielberg films. I was uh, some landmark pieces, at least for me personally. I was able to work on Sam Peckinpah's last film, *The Osterman Weekend*, designing specific special effects and technologies. On the other side, um, can again continuing with *King Lion* and doing shows. I did a number of uh, music backgrounds. I was a professional musician under the direction of Ron Logan and James Christensen. So I was able to perform on a number of Disneyland soundtracks, which still play to today in different uh, scenarios where I was playing tenor sax or clarinet. I did a number of live performances in Carnation Plaza as a backup musician for a number of people, including uh, Buddy Rich, Stan Kenton, I also was very graced for a small amount of time during the Bicentennial. Uh, You're probably familiar with the voice of Disneyland, Jack Wagner, who Mm -hmm. did all the pre-recording, even as Walt Disney World was being built. All of the original uh, uh, safety tracks and whatnot were done by Jack. And I believe to this day his voice is still the uh, the safety narration in the uh, monorail system at the Orlando airport for the monorail. But anyway... Getting back to the narration, I was privileged that for a short period of time, I did the live narration of introducing the acts at the Carnation Plaza. So I got to put on my deep voice, and as the different acts would come out, uh, Carnation Plaza on Saturdays and Sundays, I got to do, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome as Carnation Plaza proudly presents, so on, so on, and so on. So that's kind of my career. Uh, What I would say my full Disney employment, as uh, my company took off, I left Disney and they became a client as so many other ones. And then uh, going beyond just theme park design, I also took on other responsibilities for a few other companies uh, as brain trusts for solving problems in the entertainment community. And a lot of our clients have been uh, Pixar. It would be like for different animation productions and different toys. So we say uh, uh, DreamWorks, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, for instance, uh, when we're working with Pixar, we may review scripts for different movies that are set out five, six years in the future as we're working with character development or Probably merchandising possibilities. And at the same time, we're working on special effect technologies where some of these may translate into rides in the future or uh, major presentations. Like we may have a grand opening in New York and we want to do a special type of special effect in Times Square utilizing projections or a type of an illusion Uh I will be the person that will invent or create something like that, and then that would be sold or handed off to Universal or DreamWorks or Disney or Pixar or whoever we're working with at the time.
0: So you're saying with these clients, you're you're working with clients like Disney and Pixar. So I'm going to guess that you got to work alongside Roy E. Disney and John Lasseter at some points. So can you tell us a little bit about working with them and some maybe some fun stories that come along with it?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I I will. But let me go back now to the Disneyland. Alumni Club, because that was actually my cross-link to them, which was quite interesting. So now talking about the Disneyland Alumni Club, just for the core of that, the Disneyland Alumni Club was actually created in the early 80s by Van France, and it was an actual division of Disneyland. And Van France went to Dick Nunes and uh, Ron Dominguez, supported by Wally Bogue, Wally Bogue the voice of Jose in the, the Tiki Room in uh, Pecos Bill, the longest uh, the running show at the Golden Horseshoe Review at Disneyland and uh, approached them with an idea for creating a, a division of Disneyland called the Disneyland Alumni Club. Now, at that particular time, Disneyland was open five days a week and then eventually was open six days a week. It was actually closed one day and the core amount of employees that worked at Disneyland was during the summer. And that those were mainly school teachers, uh, which worked out very well there during the when Disneyland had a small amount of employees, uh, they could work on their uh, year-round employees or the A's and B's, and then they'd bring in part-time work during the summer, and these were typically school teachers. And so what Van France wanted to do was create a way back, a connection. Disneyland Alumni Club was designed specifically for contract employees and people leaving Disneyland to have a bridge to come back or still feel that they were a part of Walt's dream. And this was set up uh, through different programs including voluntary programs. Uh, Those eventually became the, the Disney volunteers, as we call it today, I love it. <laughs> but the, uh, the Disneyland Alumni Club was the first branch out. So back in the day, uh, if there was a cleanup program or a volunteer program, it was the Disneyland Alumni Club or the alumnists that would participate in that particular extension or voluntary arm of Disneyland representing the park. This became, it uh, was funded by the park, and this worked uh, throughout the years. In fact, it was so heavy that it was the Disneyland Alumni Club that was the first branch for employment for Walt Disney World. So, as Walt Disney World was being built and created, they went back and contacted a number of the Disneyland alumni that had left or gone to other jobs to offer them employment first to move to Florida. As the Disneyland Alumni Club has helped support going back and forth, the company has grown and grown and grown. And unfortunately, as uh, some of our past leadership have gone away, passed away, the uh, the club's operation itself it was handed off, handed off, and again because of different uh, management skills or lack of. Uh, the club had, uh, shall we say, went into more of a dark ages. This is kind of where I started to interface. During the part of the, I would say, the alumni club's lowest appeal, or shall we say, involvement from the park with the alumni club, because of so many activities and branching out, and this was a super expansion. This was coming into where uh, Tokyo Disneyland was a concept. It was when Ron Miller was leaving when we were bringing in Eisner. Uh, The Disneyland Alumni Club kind of got left in the dust to a certain point. So when the 50th anniversary came around, I was personally asked to head up the production uh, for one last major hurrah family reunion to bring all the alumni together. And so this was a two-year prior to the 50th. And as I was tasked with this, uh, I said, okay, great. Uh, I've produced shows before. What's my budget? What do I have to work with for this major undertaking? Because we want to pull cast members from around the world, all the Disney properties. And they go, well, right now in the kitty, you got 50 bucks. Uh, Okay. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. So, I started thinking about putting a production together. I really did not know what to do because it was basically, I knew that I'm going to have to just basically ask for volunteers for this entire production. So, I started thinking about this, and my first thought was well, let's take it back to the beginning, let's take it back to the roots. What was it like the very first day that Disneyland opened when everything that we've got theme parks around the world right now, the sun never sets on a Disney operation. But back when it first started on day one, who did we have? And I thought about it as far as who was still alive. And then my first thought was Art Linkletter. I called up his office and talked to his secretary, introduced myself. Within a few minutes, I was talking to Art Linkletter on the phone. And very honestly and candidly, I talked to him. I go, well, before I start, I want to thank you very much, Art, for something that you did for me in my childhood. And he goes, well, what's that, Richard? Richard. And I go, well, when I was a small boy as a Cub Scout, I I started a drawing contest, and the first place was to have lunch with you in Hollywood. And I won that contest, and my mother and I came to Hollywood, and we had lunch with you. And uh, it was just such a wonderful highlight, and I had told him about this particular incident and how it had continued my artistic career as going into design and whatnot. I wanted to thank him. I kept it very short. And I went in and I told him about uh, how I was trying to put together this giant reunion for the 50th anniversary of Disneyland. And uh, at the end of the conversation, he goes, well, I I would really like to participate, but I've got this other thing that I've been doing for years and years and years. And I'm afraid I'm going to have to turn it down. But thank you very much. And uh, that was the end of the phone conversation. Ten minutes later, my phone rang. It was Art Linkletter. And again, he goes, Richard, I was thinking about what you said. And I was thinking about my particular love of my good friend, Walt Disney, and what it was like there to be on the first day. Because of what you had told me, and uh, you know, your drawing and thinking so highly of me, I'm canceling that other one. I'm yours. What do you need? I will do it for free. So I explained to him my situation, and he goes, let me make a few phone calls, Richard. About 15 minutes later, I got another phone call and it was roy disney and he goes richard i need you to come up and talk to me so i went and i saw roy disney and he goes i can't give you a budget but i can give you my support this is what i'd like you to do and this is what i'd like to see so the next thing i knew i got a phone call from wally bogue and wally Bogue and wow. myself sat down and we wrote out the show and it just kept growing and growing and growing well To make a very, very long story short, we ended up having this incredible 50th anniversary uh, in which we had every park from around the world represented. We had past cast members fill the Disneyland ballroom to capacity. It was a sellout event. And it turned out that uh, I had it completely, um, at the time I had cameras set up, and uh, we had every past... President of Disneyland involved with the show. Sadly, but entertainingly, it was Wally Bogue's last full performance before he passed away. And just to show you the love and devotion that that man that that past cast member had for his fellow cast members, we had uh, coming up to it uh, an incident where he was telling me that he had to go in for brain surgery three weeks before the show. And we had a segment already set up for the worst case scenario that was only known to Wally and myself. Uh, Obviously, everything went very, very well. And he showed up and all Wally was supposed to have done on this show was come out on stage and we were going to run a video clip of him performing at the Golden Horseshoe. Well, five minutes before we did this, he whispered in my ear, he goes, I feel really good. I want to do it for real. So I'm calling the show live over headphones, changing everything on the fly as he goes out there. I'm calling, you know, talking to the head musicians and whatnot, and he does his full act show. Uh, His son was there in attendance and it brought him to tears. And he goes, he he has trouble walking upstairs, and he was out there doing his kicks and his full performance, and we captured it all on film. Art Link letters. Uh, sad to say, cause I had, uh, he was coming, he had such a good time. He was going to MC the 55th. He passed away, uh, one week before the 55th show, but it was his last full performance to cast members that we captured. So anyway, we get through the 50th anniversary. I'm here. Okay, great. This was all done. I've got the film for the archive. I'm, I'm finished. So about a couple of weeks after the 50th, I went back up to see Roy Disney and he goes, you know, how was the show? I'm sorry I wasn't there. And I go, oh, it was fantastic. It was great. Uh, and I told him everything that happened. And he goes, well, did, did you have cameras on? And I go, yep, I had three cameras. We filmed the entire show, so we've got it for archives. Um, as soon as I get the, uh, the master's back, I'll be sending it up to the studios. And, whew, man, I'm glad that's over with. And he goes, I don't think so. And they go, what do you mean? I go, this was too important. You had too many wonderful things happen. Uh, I think you should produce a DVD. I'm going, uh, uh, and what budget? He goes, I, I don't have any money for this. But I think I know that you'll find a way how to do it. Let me see if I can get you some help. But I think you need to edit that film. And um, you know what? You should do a second disc. Since you had every past president, you should recontact all of them and interview them and get their feelings and their guts as far as this was the 50th anniversary. Where do they see the company going? What are we doing wrong? What should we be doing right? Uh, you know, the company is exploding in growth. You know, how do we save the essence of what Walt created? You need to interview them and put that in a second disc and, and, and include it with the DVD. So again, I've been tasked by Roy Disney, who you do not say no to. Uh about a day later, I get a phone call and I goes, Hi, uh Richard, I understand that you're gonna be working on this film project. Uh uh Roy called me up and I it's been a number of years since I've worked at Disney and I don't know what I can do to help, but I just wanna let you know that I'm here to help and I just wanna offer anything. You know, if if, if you need anything from me, I, again I'm I'm not very good with a camera or anything like that, but I, if there's something I could do to help, I, I would really like to help. Uh, let's see. Um, give me give me your name and contact number and address, and we'll go from there. He goes, okay, no problem. It's John Lasseter. The, uh, the, uh, the John, uh, Pixar John Lasseter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roy called me up, and whatever you need, Richard. Okay, can I interview first? Uh, yeah, not a problem. I'll get it all set up. Let's meet at the animation building. Um, I'll fly down. Let's make it five o'clock. Um, I'll see you there. Bye. Click. Oh my God. (laughs) So I'm calling favors. Who's got a camera? I drive up to the studio and the, the guard stops me at the animation and going, uh, who are you? And I go, I'm Richard Farron. Uh, I'm here. I'm going to be filming John Lasseter. And he goes, John Lasseter isn't here. Who are you? We don't have anything on the record. Uh, The animation building is closed. The last hand-drawn animation film that had been done had been completed, and they were just in the midst of finishing Meet the Robinsons. So there were no animators contracted or in the animation building. It was a ghost town up there. Up pulls a limousine, and out pops John Lasseter. Hi, I'm John. You must be Richard. Richard. The guard goes white, and he goes, not a problem. Nobody's up in the animation building. Uh, Richard, bring your film crew. We're going to go up. So as I'm talking with John, I'm you know getting my questions lined up, and uh, beforehand I go, well, you had mentioned that you had worked at Disney, and I was ignorant to this at the time. And I go, well, where did you start? And he goes, well, believe it or not, I started as a street sweeper in Tomorrowland. And then I eventually became a ride operator on the Jungle Cruise. And I go, okay, I'm just writing down some notes here for the questions I'm going to ask you when I do the interview. And uh, I go, well, what was your favorite part as far as being a cast member at Disneyland? And he goes, well, I I love the interaction of the Jungle Cruise. It was fantastic. And he goes, but you know what the second most fun thing was? He goes, I'd love to do crowd control for parades because I got to uh, leave the scripted, interaction. And I could go and I could actually meet the guests. I'm in costume. They're coming up and asking me questions about other parts of the park. And I could experience other facets of Disneyland standing next to or through doing my job as crowd control there of the parades. And my absolute favorite parade was the Main Street Electrical Parade. And I got to tell you, there was this one nut. And he was in the Calliope, and we'd always get this biggest kick when this, thing, this guy would drove by in this big parade thing. I think he was dressed as a lion, and he'd be swinging out, and I went white. I'm going, John, do you know what I did for Disney? And he goes, no. And I pulled out my phone, and I you know, brought up the pictures, and I go, that was me. I was King Lion of the Main Street Electrical Parade. Well, immediately his demeanor completely changed, and it was like old home week. And we're talking about everything. So I saw my opportunity as we were going through the interview. I asked him at the time the hundred thousand dollar question. I know that you know Pixar is coming back home for Disney and whatnot. What are your plans? for disneyland and the disney organization and he opened up it was basically he goes look around look at all these empty cubicles a lot of people blame pixar and they blame me specifically for letting this happen and that's not what i wanted i'm bringing back hand-drawn animation i am bringing back disney animation this this is the saddest thing i've ever seen here there are many different technologies for tel- storytelling and i'm bringing them back and he went and he elaborated on how he saw the interface of three-dimensional not only two-dimensional entertainment but three-dimensional entertainment and helping change the direction back to what he considered was Walt's values at not only Disneyland but at all the disney properties and all the parks in how storytelling is done in both uh animation, computer animation, three-dimensional animatronics, uh ride interpretation, and in movies. And I got this all down on film. And uh time went on, and I was able to uh, finish the disc, and uh we did a limited run sell of this particular one. That opened up my personal contact with Roy Disney art link letter John Lasseter. And throughout uh, Art letters remaining years, we became extremely close friends. Same with Wally Bogue all the way until their passing. Um, as the 55th anniversary of Disney came along, I was asked to produce that show, and I had everything set for Art Linkletter being the main MC and he passed away a week before that sadly and ron dominguez uh... stepped up to the plate to take his spot as we went through a celebration of that particular one was themed uh... based on music and now they've come to me again and i'm now producing the sixtieth anniversary show which will be this year.
0: I think it's just amazing that you guys are doing It's kind of like a, a big high school or college reunion, you know? And I think that's amazing.
1: <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. And the stories and the pictures.
0: I know there are going to be a couple of listeners who are going to be listening in, and maybe they have never even heard about the Disneyland Alumni Club and the celebration for 60 years of Disneyland. So if they wanted to get in touch with you or to be a part of this club.
1: It's very, very easy. Um, because we're a charitable organization right now, the uh, the club is open to anybody. But the core or the interest would be obviously Disneyland past cast members or for just the sheer knowledge and history, any cast member around the world. And the easiest way to find out more about the club, its history, where we're going, what it's doing, is simply go to www. Disneylandalumni.org. Uh to become a member of the Disneyland Alumni Club is uh, a simple cost of $25 annually. This gets you all of the newsletters. Uh, it gets you access to uh, alumni merchandise and it also for activities and benefits. Now, for uh, past cast members, uh, they go, Well, if I live, you know, I used to work at Disneyland or Walt Disney World and I now live in Muncie, Indiana, what good's a discount? Well, we've been able to work out a discount benefits program to where uh, these will work anywhere in the continental United States, uh, Hawaii, and I believe now Alaska. Anything from movie ticket discounts to uh, tires, hotels, uh, traveling to different theme parks throughout the United States. Uh, and again, it's a very minimal fee of twenty-five dollars, and it basically helps us cover some of the hard costs. Uh, nobody makes a penny um, on the board of directors or the volunteers. It's strictly a volunteer program. And then a lot of our events our reunions and activities, which are very core to Southern California. Although we do have, uh, we in the past we've had trips to Walt Disney World and back, and the uh, Walt Disney Family Museum and other different. Um, venues and whatnot always a portion of any monies charged go to charity uh, and then like say for instance our big 60th event a large chunk of that goes directly to a charity and in every couple years we change different charities in the past it's been like uh, chalk uh, Children's Hospital of Orange County uh, right now it is the Boys and Girls Club of Fullerton so uh, the cast members, uh, give back. They give back big time uh, the love of their community, of children, uh, because they get to see it firsthand uh, on the lines. When when the magic hits and they see that spark in the eye, they know it. And again, uh, when I say this, I, I include all cast members. There's uh, hundreds and hundreds of cast members that work behind the scenes that are not out on stage, per se, uh, that get to do the guest interaction I, I've been very fortunate obviously in my career as an entertainer where whether I'm performing music or as a character or whatnot I get to see it right up front but the you know the, the custodian in the back the the maintenance worker, the person who stocks the shelf who has to work the graveyard shift and whatnot their work is so so very important from the from the maids and custodial of the the resorts and the hotel, it takes an incredible team, an incredible operation. Even if you're not interfacing with the guests directly, to create that magic, it, it is quite amazing. When you look at it as, from a global standpoint of entertainment, nobody, nobody can touch a Disney experience.
0: Well, to conclude our interview, I have a couple of fun Disney questions I'd like to ask. So we'll start with the Donald question. So as a child, what Disney film would you always like to watch over and over again?
1: Oh, that's easy. That's extremely easy because it was a career changer. My particular artistic style and graphics, my particular forte and design all came about with my awe of one specific film and that was Walt Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I uh, I, I could watch, I could watch that film over and over and over again. I have studied the blueprints I got uh you know I I went and I went back and looked at how that film was constructed, the outtakes uh from what we now call a steampunk art direction as far as what was inspired to create that particular visual. That impacted me as far as my, uh, my direction and how I drew my uh, particular art and styling. Then if you were specifically talking about an animated feature, um, it would be the uh, classic with uh, Donald uh, Goofy and Mickey Mouse and their wonderful trailer as they went on their vacation.
0: <laughs> and our Goofy question, what Disney character... Do you think it would be your best friend if you met them in person?
1: Oh, well, I always would like to think it would be my alter ego of King Lion from Bedknobs and Broomsticks, and, <laughs> uh, shall we say, from, the, from a classic. I've been able to get under his skin for many, many, many years. But if we went for the uh, if we went for the Fab Five, it would definitely be Goofy. And now I'm going to do a plug. Um, Goofy's alter ego is Bill Farmer. And he is going to be one of our major performers uh, at this Disney 60th anniversary reunion. <laughs>
0: but that's going to be really exciting that he'll be there. He'll be able to make plenty of jokes. He has, he has quite the repertoire with uh, impersonations.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh, he'll be a major part of the show. In fact, another little tidbit that I'll announce out too is just our pre-show ceremonies in the lobby. We are going to reenact the famous area known as Coke Corner from Main Street, USA, and Rod Miller, the famous pianist, Will be there pre-show playing ragtime and interfacing with all of the guests before we even start our extravaganza of the 60th celebration.
0: And our Mickey question: If I asked you to name any Disney song at this moment, what immediately comes to mind?
1: My absolute favorite Disney song that was written by a very close friend of mine, and that is "Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow" by the Sherman Brothers. Uh, Richard Sherman was a major asset and a close friend uh... as we put together the fiftieth anniversary uh... actually the fiftieth and the fifty-fifth anniversary show that particular piece of music has always been uh... my fondest memory of obviously the carousel progress now at walt disney world's magic kingdom in tomorrowland and celebrating its own anniversary but i remember purchasing the original sheet music uh... when i was producing a uh... movie short starring richard sherman uh, I brought that sheet music in and I presented it to him and showing him how much his, uh, his talents, he and his brother's talents, had meant to me that I considered this also my particular theme song. And he autographed it to me and I've got it proudly mounted on my wall.
0: Thank you so much Richard for coming on the show. This was a lot of fun, listeners. There's more information. We're going to have links posted for the Disneyland Alumni Club uh, below in the show notes. So Richard, thank you so much for coming on the show, and if I had to ask you to name one word that would describe your experience working for Disney, what would it be?
1: Magical. And
0: we'll be walking down Main Street.